0: Uh, hello, I'm Daniel Byman. I'm a professor at Georgetown and a senior fellow at Brookings, and I'm here with my Georgetown colleague, uh, Professor Bruce Hoffman, who is also a senior fellow at the Council on Foreign Relations. And Bruce, I think the topic on everyone's mind is Afghanistan. So what are your thoughts? What's at stake there?
1: Gosh, can it get any, any worse, really? Um, as shambolic and as fraught as the withdrawal and evacuation of being the suicide attack or the dual suicide attacks by ISIS Khorasan have really introduced you know, such a, an immensely tragic and frustrating element that has just, just completely complicated everything we're trying to achieve in these final days.
0: A big question on my mind is really trying to think about the Taliban um, as a counterterrorism entity. So it's, to me, a kind of a classic case of um, a poacher turned into gamekeeper, where the United States is going to be opposing them on a host of issues, human rights and so on, uh, also putting pressure on them because of their close ties to Al Qaeda, but at the same time relying on the Taliban to go after ISIS-K and really stop them.
1: That's a great question and comment, too. And actually, it's, it's, it goes both ways. The Taliban, I suspect, is going to be relying on us and our air power to interdict and to further degrade ISIS-K in Afghanistan. I mean, the problem we're going to face going forward, especially until we have an embassy or we reestablish some relations with the Taliban is that in intelligence terms, we're gonna be pretty much in the dark in Afghanistan. And one has to bear in mind that ISIS-K, because it has been so weakened over the past several years. I mean, don't forget, it was the United States, the Afghans, the Taliban and Al-Qaeda all going after them, which resulted in about an 80% decline in their attacks over the past two years. But at the same time, that sort of odd configuration of combined forces didn't completely destroy them. So one has to be, I think, profoundly skeptical of the Taliban's abilities to handle the ISIS-K threat on its own. And yesterday we saw how manifestly incompetent they were in that regard. The Taliban's great at whipping women and children, but has obviously shown itself pretty incapable in countering terrorism. So they're going to need our help. So you're absolutely right. This is going to result, I think, in a a potentially a very unique um, modus vivendi.
0: Another big question on my mind is really trying to think about Pakistan's role in all this. Um, As you know, ISIS-K has really kind of emerges out of a number of groups in Pakistan that have ties to Afghanistan. And the Pakistani government, of course, has both fought groups like ISIS and al-Qaeda, but also helped them directly and indirectly and is a huge supporter of the Taliban. And the U.S. relationship with Pakistan is going to change fundamentally. Uh, We've had to uh, treat Pakistan with kid gloves at times because we relied on them for logistical support. For U.S. fighting in Afghanistan, and I think there's going to be both a temptation to punish Pakistan and ignore Pakistan. So, to me, Pakistan in some ways has emerged as the winner in all this, but at the same time, it's going to find its strategic situation tremendously changed, and perhaps um, under a lot of pressure it doesn't expect.
1: Yes, I think you're entirely right in that in that in that assessment, and I would add too that I think as much as. Pakistan is gleeful about its client, the Taliban, having triumphed. It faces its own internal security challenges because of precisely because of the Taliban's triumph. Because after all, the Taliban has very close relations, not just with Al Qaeda, who has sworn the bayat, the oath of allegiance to the Taliban leadership, but also with the with the Pakistani version of the palace uh, of uh, of the Taliban, uh, the you know the 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 Iraqi Taliban of Pakistan. So the Pakistanis have to be very worried, too, about their own Taliban ramping up operations. And, you know, we're in the dilemma we've always been with Pakistan. We're less dependent or we're not dependent on them at all now for security in Afghanistan, which has been one of the constraints of the past two decades. But at the same time, the last thing we want to do is destabilize Pakistan. And once again, as occurred in 2001 and in 2008, um, see a destabilizing factor through terrorist attacks that nearly drive Pakistan and India to the bunk of nuclear warfare. So the complications with Pakistan are as great now as they've ever been in terms of U.S. relations.
0: The last question to me is is the million dollar question for the Biden administration, which is, okay, you have these horrible attacks in Afghanistan um, on U.S. forces and also killing dozens of innocent Afghans, uh, but is this going to come home to the United States? And this is something that, in the past, you and I at times have differed on. Um, and I tend to think that a group like ISIS-K is primarily local and regional, and its international ability to touch the United States, especially at home, is limited. Um, what's your assessment on this particular group?
1: Well, I think you're. I think you're entirely right about ISIS-K. They don't. They don't really provide an international terrorist capability it may extend perhaps to sri lanka or to south asia certainly but not to the united states but i mean the united states is distracted on so many different levels with multiple terrorist adversaries with great power competition with cyber warfare terrorists may be able or at least may have the conceit they can slip within the radar and carry out or at least attempt to carry out some kind of attack in the u.s